Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamp for, and just let me say again, thank you for listening. You. Yes, you are the reason we produce this podcast, and we hope you are challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. But believe it or not, we are right around the corner from Easter, which falls on April 16th this year. And we've got some exciting things planned at Grace Church, starting with a breakfast on the lawn at 845. Our folks will be cooking up some great dishes to share, and we'll start off celebrating the resurrection of Jesus with a meal together. We're also setting up a fun photo booth so you can have a memento of this year's celebration. And all of that leads up to our Easter worship celebration at 10 o'clock. We're really looking forward to it and hope you'll join us April 16th for breakfast and worship. Check out our brand new website, ocalagrace.org, for all the information. Or you can email us at office at ocalagrace.org. Now, Pastor Todd McQueen is going to cover a lot of ground today. Exodus chapter 7 through 11. Where on the last episode we saw that following God meant things will likely still be difficult, today we're on the front lines of straight-up warfare. The physical signs we see in this battle are the shadow of the real spiritual conflict that is going on in Egypt. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd leads us through this battlefield. turn 16 and your dad or your mom has that little talk yeah or you have paid for insurance forever and then you file a claim and there's this little statement in there that we all become familiar with and they even use it today acts of God what are acts of God in an insurance policy in insurance circles, it's that which is defined by God doing it and man not being involved with it. Hurricanes, floods, hail, earthquakes, and tornadoes ponder acts of God. This morning we'll see the acts of God in Egypt have even led us to the terminology in our insurance policies today. By God's hand we'll know the Lord, our God, and serve Him. To know Him and to serve Him. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 7. We'll start in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I have commanded you, and your brother and Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my, bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretched out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So now we have Moses and Aaron, 
80 and 83 years old, commissioned to go back into Pharaoh's office. They are what appears to them to be on mission impossible. Remember last week we talked about this is an mission that is only going to be completed because God's hand works in it. So Moses and Aaron are commissioned to turn right back around and go back into the office. Only by God's hand can they participate in God's victorious plan. So before the 11 battles between God's hands and the enemy hands begin, God encourages his men that Moses will be like God's voice and Aaron will be like a prophet to Pharaoh. Basically, they're God's ambassadors on earth. Note verse 5. Here's the why. Right from the rip. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Only by God's hand will this war be won. And wow, will there be a lot of battles to prove that. We'll see 11 supernatural battles this morning. But the game plan hasn't changed. The game plan from the get-go, hey, guys, go to Pharaoh and ask. It's going to be difficult, and victory is assured. We like the battle plan until step two, the difficult part. So it's back in again. It's going to be difficult, fellas, and God's going to win this war because Pharaoh, the difficult part, Pharaoh's not going to listen. But what is the victory? The people will know God when he redeems his people. So as we start in on these battles, the first battle is a staff. In Exodus 7, 8 through 13, God says, go and do. Go and do. Go. It's time to put this into action, fellas. God knows that Pharaoh will begin the match pitting himself against the God of the Hebrews. Pharaoh is going to ask for proof. God's proof is in the staff. God will show his hand. This is the same proof. This is the same staff from Exodus 4, 1 through 5. Remember when Moses requested, hey, they're not going to believe me. How am I going to tell them this? Uh, here's a staff. God gifts Moses so that the people will believe. The staff is a symbol of God's power and authority. So Aaron throws down his staff at this battle. And what happens? It turns into a snake. Oh, but what else happens? Wait, the wise men, the sorcerers, the magicians replicate God's power. But Aaron's snake eats theirs. The battle is spiritual. The lines have been drawn. It's God versus his enemies. What we get to see in the physical realm in this war is a glimpse of what's happening spiritually. Every ensuing battle from this point on will pit the God of the Hebrews against the God of the Egyptians. Battle number two, Exodus 7, 14 to 25, the Nile to turns to blood for a week. God says to Moses, go and say, go and say, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh's heart is hard and refuses. Again, Aaron uses the staff. And we know the story. The Nile turns to blood. But in verse 22, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. They're copying God's power but not undoing it. 
What's the result? Pharaoh's heart is hardened and would not listen. And in fact, in verse 23, he didn't even take this to heart. I don't know what happened in the days of Egypt where the water would turn to blood and the leader would go, well, whatever. So this is seven days. A week passes before battle number three, the frogs. Again, God says, go and say. God says to Moses and Moses tells Aaron, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Again, the magicians copy it, but don't undo it. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened and will not listen. The magicians can only do by imitation. They can't undo. So Pharaoh calls Aaron and Moses back in and says, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs. I'll let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Moses to Pharaoh, I love this part. I love the Bible's humor. Tell me when. Talk about a confident person in following God. You got a land covered with frogs. Pharaoh pleads with him, hey, ask God to take these away. All right, when? Tomorrow. Moses says to Pharaoh, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is none like the Lord our God. So Moses pleads with, the, with God to remove the frogs. God does. The frogs die, dry up, and they stank. But in verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there were no respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Move with me to Exodus chapter 8, verse 16. Battle number four. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Go and do. God says to Moses, and Aaron takes his staff, and he strikes the dust, and there's gnats all over Egypt. Gnats all over the place. And notice what happens here. The magicians can't. And they say, what? This is the finger of God. This spiritual battle is happening where they can replicate, imitate, but not undo. When this one comes about, they're like, this is outdoing it. Pharaoh, you're battling against a deity. They get it. They get it. But what's the result? Pharaoh's heart is still hardened, and he would not listen to him, just as the Lord had said. And one thing to notice about the magicians that imitated God's work, because we know that God's enemies like to imitate him and look like him and therefore worship me. They are imitating what God is doing through Moses and Aaron by doing what? Replicating God's work. Meanwhile, let's pretend for a second you all are in the land of Egypt. And you were like, whoa, these guys are imitating it. 
What is the one thing you really want them to do? If all your water's turned to blood, your neighborhood is covered in frogs who have now died, what do you want gone? All of it. You don't want to say, hey, I'm really good because I added more to your troubles. So battle number five, the flies. In Exodus 8, 20 through 32, go and say, Moses says to the Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. If not, here comes the flies and all the houses of the Egyptians. But here's the new plot twist that we went through with Kid Nation. God's going to up the Andy in his miraculous power. Flies everywhere, but not in Goshen, where my people dwell, so that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. God's hand somehow miraculously establishes fly boundaries. I was out with Miss Deb yesterday on the river, and the stupid little noceums, you guys got them things all over Canada. They just give me that. Now, it was such a living illustration for me. They're getting on my legs, and they're not on Deb at all. And my legs look like I got the measles. We're in a 17-foot boat. And I'm thinking, God, what's going on? And maybe he's like, hey, I'm going to give you this illustration for tomorrow. <laughs> Separate flies. That is only a God thing. If you can be on the river and see a wall that says flies here, none over here. We all be standing back going, whoa. Flies are giving boundaries. A surveyor of fly boundaries says you shall not pass, and they obey. And also note in the, this interactions, in these battles, God gives grace. What is grace? The time between judgment is announced and judgment is given. We like long periods. In this sequence, they're days. But God gives them a day, gives Pharaoh a day. He gives them, let's call it the grace day, which they don't keep. And God keeps his word after that grace day. Flies invade all of Egypt except the land of Goshen. So I like this part. Pharaoh then wants to negotiate with Moses. Sacrifice to your God, but within the land. And Moses says, no, that's not right. You all would kill us. We've got to go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. Worship of God is on God's terms. So Pharaoh says back to Moses, I will let you go sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Please plead for me. Moses says, I will plead with the Lord for the flies to depart tomorrow. Only let the Pharaoh cheat not again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses prays, the flies are removed. But the result, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And did not let the people go. So battle number six, Exodus 9, 1 through 7. Go and say, let my people go, that they may serve me. If you refuse, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague on all your livestock, except the livestock of Goshen. God's hand, again, establishes plague or disease boundaries. 
You have one day to repent, one grace day. They don't. God keeps his word. And I like this part. The Pharaoh sends out a scout to Israel to hear if it's true. The guy won't listen to God at all. He wants to negotiate the terms. But when he hears this will happen, what does he do to verify it? Hey, go check and see if there's any livestock dead over in Goshen. Can you imagine that report coming back? They're all alive. In the medical field, it is amazing to set up boundaries for flies in a 17-foot boat. It's another thing for God to ordain boundaries for disease. If you're a fan of the History Channel, you're a fan of National Geographic, you've heard of the Exodus stories. We've heard this through Sunday school. And one of the things they love to say, these could naturally have happened. I don't know any fly farmers that keep flies in pens. I don't know anybody can walk into the yard and say, hey, this is the pen for the plague. This is the pen for whooping cough. This is the pen for anthrax. God does. Why? So that you will know the Lord your God and serve him. But once again, with the livestock dying, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He would not let them go. Move with me to Exodus chapter 9, verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Again, it's a go and do, guys. Go and do. Throw dust in the air, and it's going to turn into boils. Now we have boils on man and beast. Remember God's competitors, the imitators, but not undoers? They can't even, I love the wording of the Bible. Anybody had a boil? I've had one. They're zero fun. I love the Bible. They couldn't stand before Moses. You got boils all over you. Last thing you want to do is show up for a pomp and circumstance with a Pharaoh who's not listening to anything. You said, that's the finger of God, and you're covering boils. They can't even stand in the presence of Moses anymore. What's the result? The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them. The Lord spoke as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Battle number eight, the hail. Again, this is go and say. God says to Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. This time I want you to clearly understand, Pharaoh, so that you may know that there's none like me in all the earth, God says. God says, I could have put out my hand and killed you all. God's grace. Up until this point, there's been no loss of life. We're eight battles in. And God takes the time to say, Pharaoh, I want you to clearly know there's none like me on all the earth. So Pharaoh's rule becomes crystal clear in verse 16. You want to know why Pharaoh's heart keeps getting hardened? Look at verse 16, chapter 9. 
I have raised you up to show you my power so that what? My name may be proclaimed in all the earth. It's God's name. It's God's reputation. All the kings that are battle against Israel are raised up by God for what purpose? So God's reputation will go ahead. We can think of Nebuchadnezzar. We can think of King Cyrus. We're like, whoa, we don't like the government. We don't like who you all voted for. Maybe God's got a plan to illustrate his power in the situation when you can't control it. Right now, Moses says to Pharaoh, hey, your hard heart is working right in there, buddy. Keep up the work. And we all sit back and say, this really isn't fair as Americans or Canadians, thank you for visiting, is we like justice, we like fairness. God hardened his heart. Why would he do that? Proclaim God's name. Tomorrow, the grace day again, I'll send hail, God says. And it'll kill every animal or person that's not in safe shelter. This is the first time death is going to take place. This is the first time Egyptian lives are going to be lost. Seven battles so far, and now that changes. But look at verse 20 of chapter 9. But some feared the Lord and hurried up and got people and animals to shelter. Somebody's getting the point. Somebody in Egypt got the news. Somebody overheard Moses talking to Pharaoh and said, mm, these things have happened. There's going to be hail, and it's going to hurt real bad. And he said, hey, if it's going to land, they're going to be so big, they're going to kill you. So the Facebook posts explode. The Twitter accounts explode. The Instagram has got great big 100-pound hails on it. It's like, get inside. Get inside the bunker. Somebody does. Remember, why did God say, Pharaoh, I harden your heart? So my name would go forth, my reputation. So now the reputation of God saying, I could do this tomorrow, garners action. Some people take shelter. So Moses takes his staff and stretches it to heaven, the symbol of God's power. And the Lord sends thunder, hail, continuous flashes of lightning. This isn't just a bad storm. This is a storm where you're like, that's a God thing going on. Continuous flashes of lightning. The hail strikes down every man, beast, crop, and tree in the field, except for where? Goshen. Somehow God's surveying techniques keep hail, storm, lightning, thunder out of a particular land. What are the results? This time Pharaoh calls Moses and says, Hey, I've sinned. The Lord is right. I and my people are in the wrong. Sounds like a good repentance speech we'd like to hear on the street this weekend, wouldn't it? Plead with the Lord, for there's been enough of this God, thunder, and hail. I will let you and you people go. You can't stay any longer. Moses says, As soon as I'm outside the city limits, I'll stop. I'll have it stop. I'll stretch my hands out to the heaven with the staff, and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But when the storm stopped, Pharaoh sinned yet again and hardened his heart and his servants, and he didn't let the people go. Just as the Lord had said to Moses, this is what he'll do. Notice, we can admit to being in the wrong. We can even admit that God exists this morning. And we can still be stubborn enough not to follow him. We can let the words of our lips, hey, I'm a sinner, I need some Jesus. I need some salvation. I need my sin atoned for, but I ain't following them. 
At this point in the story, we don't like this. This doesn't fit our evangelism explosion sold in the 80s and 90s. Would you like some forgiveness today? Sure. You're all good. See you in heaven. Does God ever say that? When Jesus called his disciples, what did he say? I'm going to take care of your sin problem. What did he say? Follow me. I'm going to redeem you so that you can follow me. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to extradite you from Egypt that you may follow or serve him. Pharaoh gets the point about sin, but he is definitely not putting God on the throne of his life. I want my problems taken care of, but on my terms, not God's. So let's go to battle number nine, the locusts. God says to Moses, here's what's up with Pharaoh's hard heart. Here's why to the battle plan. Lock up, let the screen. God tells Moses, here's what's up with Pharaoh. I kind of gave you a glimpse at the last one. Now I'm going to give it to you really specific. Here's what's up with Pharaoh's heart. God says, I may show my signs to whom? Everyone. If you're within a couple zip codes of this incredible stuff going on, it's on the news. Fox News has got two, three, four people. That, well, they've died because they didn't get in from the hail. But this is on your feed. But God says what? You, Moses, you, Aaron, I'm, I'm hardening Pharaoh's heart that you may do what? Tell your kids and grandkids about me. God redeems you. God takes you out of where you were to for you to invest it in other people, into the spiritual lineage of those who come after you. It isn't all about you. It isn't even all about Israel at this point, Moses. And Aaron, you guys are doing a good job with the whole staff thing. You guys are doing some really cool stuff. The Weather Channel is right there watching this weird stuff happen. But it isn't really all about you. Get this in your head first. I want everybody to know that I'm God. Second of all, I want you to be able to experience me so that you can do what? Tell your kids. And finally, you, Aaron and Moses, you, Israel, may know that I am the Lord. This morning in your spiritual journey, is it about you or is it about your spiritual generations that follow after you? Do you know God? See, this locust is just as nasty as the hail. It fell on people and they died. If you had to pick a way of dying by 100, whatever, let's say it's 150 pound stone, drop from the sky and it hits your head. That's all right. It's kind of quick. If you starve to death because the hail has destroyed all your crops and now God sends in some locusts, it's going to eat every bit of food left. That's a long ways to go. This is a nasty one. Whatever hasn't been ruined by the hail, whatever crops are now into the rotation, will get eaten up by the locusts. This is death by starvation. But again, the response is negotiate. Pharaoh's servants come to him and said, hey, how long would this Moses guy be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may go serve the Lord their God. So they hurry up and bring Moses and Aaron back in. And Moses, of course, declines the deal. 
It says that all of the people, all of their livestock must go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. It's a party. Friends, the worship of God can't be qualified in what we think we want it to be. What was the negotiation? Girls, you, girls, you stay. Guys, you go. No, Moses said, we have to go, all of us, and we have to do it on God's terms the way God wants it. So Pharaoh says to Moses, the Lord be with you if I ever let you go. He understands God's at play here. And now he turns it around in this incredibly poignant phrase that I don't want to take the time to explain to you in the original language, but he gets it. But he turns it back on Moses. He's like cussing him out. I don't want to say it up front. You know what I'm saying? The Lord be with you. If I ever let you go and your little ones go, you have evil purposes. No, only the men go. Pharaoh is getting the idea that this is not just a few guys going out on vacation, on a men's retreat, to have a little bit of cookout in a cabin, and we'll see you after the long weekend. No, this is the entire people. This is men, women, children, and all their livestock. You've got evil purposes. You all want to get out of here. So Moses pleads with God. So God says to Moses, stretch out your hand to the heaven, and the locusts come in a strong east wind and blew all day and all night, and not a green thing is left in the land, all the land. So Pharaoh hastily calls Moses and Haran back in, and he says again, I have sinned against the Lord God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin. Please, only this one. And I plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. Same language as before. He's got a beautiful language on his tongue. It sounds like a great repentance line. It sounds like exactly what we want to hear until it comes into our heart, and it means leaving to serve. Leaving to follow. So battle number 10, the darkness. Again, go and do. Stretch out your hand with the staff toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness so dark that it can be felt. Y'all ever been in a cave? Where we used to live in Ohio, they got this cavern which you can take this tour through and they turn off the lights down there and it's dark. I mean dark, 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 dark. Then they turn on a flashlight, and then they explain to you, no light can get in here. And you're like, oh, thanks. But that's dark. Imagine this darkness is such a darkness that you can feel it. This isn't some kind of lunar eclipse where it's just a little bit not dark. This isn't like you flipped out the lights, through the covers over your head, and you can see, then your eyes adjust. No, this is dark. This is so dark it can be felt. This is pitch black, solid black for three solid days. The text says the dark so that no one can see each other or even move around. Except for where? Goshen. God's hand surveys the land and says, over here it's super dark, and over here it's light. Again, Pharaoh wants to respond by negotiating God's terms. He says, all the people can go except for your flocks and herds. Moses says, you must also let us sacrifice and have burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Listen, they could have left. They could have taken this deal and found a goat in the wilderness. 
They could have, if all we got to do is kill something to make God happy, we'll all get out of Egypt with a free card. He's letting us go. Moses, why aren't you accepting these deals? Because worship costs us something. The sacrifice system of bringing your lamb to the altar was your cost in getting there. Do you understand that? Okay, let me break it down. You want to do offering like we did a few minutes ago? Give me 20 to put in there. You'd be like, I'm silly. This is what Pharaoh is saying. Just go, grab some livestock in the wilderness and do your sacrifice thing, but leave your herds here. What's Moses saying? No. We will serve God and worship him by what it cost us. The serving and following him is on his terms. Move with me to the battle number 11 in, verse, or in chapter 11. Starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and of the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of my people of Israel, either man or beast that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who followed you. And after that, I will go out. And he, Moses, went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his hand. So, go and do. But Moses sticks around with Pharaoh and gives him a final warning, a final opportunity, final grace. And God tells Moses about the victorious battle coming up. Pharaoh will let you go. Pharaoh's going to let Israel go. And matter of fact, start sending the people out to ask their neighbors for gold and jewelry. Have everyone start asking right now. Victory is assured. Notice what God says to Moses. As bad as everything's been through to this point, nobody has seen anything happen. But God says it's such an assured victory, all you've got to do is ask your neighbor for some cash. Look at the turn of heart. Look at the turn in favor. What is the favor toward, from Pharaoh toward Israel right now in this point of the story? I don't like you all. You're going to stay. I've enslaved you, and I want to kill you. And God says to Moses, hey, let me tell you something. This last one, they're going to turn their hearts from hating you to liking you. From wanting to kill you to, hey, I've got an extra 10 grand in the bank. You want it? I got my grandmother's four-carat diamond ring. You want it? What? Look at the power of this miracle. Anybody got anybody at work that doesn't like you? 
You've talked to them 50 times, and as much as it's up to you, they're just stubborn, ignorant against you. Tomorrow you go to work, and they love you to death. That's a God thing. Here's an entire group of people that can't stand Israel. And God says, hey, this next factory, this next battle, their heart will be turned to grant you favor. And even you, Moses, everybody's going to love you. Start asking for jewelry now. But Moses gives Pharaoh the final opportunity that about midnight, God himself is going into the midst of Egypt. God himself is going on the scene of this battle. If Pharaoh has kicked Moses out, and you're watching the news for the ambassadors of these two nations to come to peace, and all of a sudden the peace accord is done, nobody's talking at the table, and you're sitting there going, well, we're done. It's war. God is going to step on the scene himself. But there's going to be casualties for not coming to him on his terms. What are the casualties of this war? Death. Every firstborn or beast will die. A great cry will go out from Egypt. There will be quiet in Goshen. What is the boundary that God is establishing now between Goshen and Egypt? It's not just necessarily death and life. What is it? Sound. Your own voices are going to be the telltale signs of what I'm doing, God says. This group, because you've lost your firstborn, are going to cry. Over here, not even a dog's going to bark. Anybody live in a neighborhood with a dog that barks all the time? And you're like, shut the dog up. God says, hey, it'll be so quiet over here, and not even a dog's going to growl. So God has somehow drawn a line in the sand. Over here, there'll be death. Over here, there'll be life. Over here, there's going to be loud screaming. And over here, y'all going to be quiet. Moses then leaves in hot anger. And God says, hey, he's not going to listen to you. So in these 11 battles, the great I am is evidencing himself. The great I am is on the scene. I am is evidencing himself over every demonic force. I am is painting a picture of himself that creates a distinction and miraculous boundaries for flies, disease, hail, locusts, darkness, and even death and voice. Imagine this morning. Do we all get up and walk outside? And we stand in the driveway. We ask our friends and neighbors and co-workers to show up to watch God work. So God brings in a swarm of flies and none touch us. And a nasty storm with massive hail would destroys all those trees you see, but none of the hail touches us. Then the wind picks up and God drops in so many locusts in the yard that we can't see through them, but none touch us. Then darkness falls into the yard, yet we remain in the light. Instead of the yard, imagine this being our nation. God, the great I am, is on display to an entire nation. God illustrating himself. Never forget that Israel watched these battles unfold. God's primary recipients for these battles is his people. Pharaoh and his entourage eventually acknowledge that they are no match for God, yet remain in disbelief and refuse to obey God on God's terms. 
Yes, they plead for the removal of the consequences of their disobedience, but as soon as that happens, they immediately evidence that they will rule their lives, not God. Undoubtedly, the great I am has their attention, but not their faith. In the same way, the God of the Hebrews has the full attention of Israel. Their homes have been fly, disease, hail, and locust free. In fact, when the rest of the nation was in pitch black and eerie darkness, they had light. Their God was fighting for them. God's presence is manifest in mind-blowing ways. God will keep his promise to free or redeem his people from bondage, but will they serve him? The point that God is making is twofold. Know that I am his presence. Redemption is for God's service on his terms. This morning, do you acknowledge that God is even present? That God is who he says he is. That I am his presence. Do you know him? Does he rule your life? Or are you asking for the removal of consequences of the harsh choices in your life? Do you just want your problems taken care of? Or do you want to follow him? As God redeemed or bought Israel from Egypt, Jesus has redeemed or bought you at the cost of his life. So knowing God means using our gifts to serve him with a victorious team. So by God's hand, we shall know the Lord, our God, and serve him. That's the point. Of all of these plagues, of all the stuff you did with flannel graphs as kids with Sunday school, what are the plagues for? Israel, look, that's your God. He's fighting for you. Do you know him? Was the point just to go out of Egypt? No, it's to go and then to... This morning, we're going to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as we do every Sunday. The point isn't just to go. God doesn't say, hey, just go and have a fun time going. What's the mandate in what we're going to read? To what? Make disciples. You have been redeemed so that you can serve. And service is on God's terms, and on God's plan. It's a victorious plan, but remember, step two is kind of tough. There's going to be troubles along the way. Do you know God or just know of him? Pharaoh knew of him, but didn't know him. Israel is getting more and more into the knowing. If you know him, knowing is serving. It's an act of obedience to where he is leading you. Go, do and say. Did you notice that at the beginning? Each time God sends Pharaoh, Moses to, and Aaron to Pharaoh, it's either to go and do or go and say. So this morning, how do we go and do, go and say? A couple weeks, it's going to be Easter. Go into your community and take this card and invite one person with an invitation. We're going to interact with our community by going and doing. Everybody likes to eat. Me too. (laughs) 
If you guys are still okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So you're going to go and do. What are we going to do? We're going to hang out at the park and interact with our friends and neighbors that we know. And we're going to invite them to come to the park on a Saturday. And we're going to interact with them by doing. Then when's the say? They're on sale. Sunday's the say. What is the news of Sunday? Jesus has won. Jesus is the victory. Jesus has redeemed us from life, from death to life. And we've been singing Moses' song of victory by his hands. And that's what they're going to sing at the end of Exodus. When they get, well, when they get out of the land. So in obedience and action, go, do and say, this as we reach our community for Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our newly renovated home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.